Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're in the presence of God. Amen. Just to be in the company of great people. This evening we are very honored, as you can tell, to have Brother Trey Davis with us, who pastors a tremendous church in Macon, Georgia, who has just come intention with the intentions of getting away and having everybody leave him alone. And I just kept picking at him and picking at him and picking at him. No, I'm teasing about that. But I will ask him to minister if he felt like it. And I feel like God is just going to speak something into our heart. I'm thankful to have friends. Amen. I'm thankful for acquaintances because they help fill up our lives. But I'm thankful for friends, people that you can just open your heart. You can share them uh, with them things that are meaningful things that matter to you, and so I want you to welcome our friend tonight, Brother Trey Davis. Would you do that? Praise the Lord, everyone. It is, uh, it is always an honor to be here uh, with all of you, and it is... Um, Indeed, my privilege to be here with you this week, and uh, <clears throat> did not come to town expecting to preach or speak or whatever it is that we're going to do tonight, but um, it is a privilege nonetheless to be here and to be asked to uh, stand here um, behind this desk, and I appreciate the honor. It's always a privilege to be with Brother and Sister Boyd. These are tremendous, tremendous people, and uh, that's right, and and I, mentioning Brother Boyd, mentioning friends here, I do count Brother Boyd probably one of my dearest friends, um, and I appreciate all that you are to me. Um, several years ago, um, I guess it's okay to share it, but several years ago, he just called me up, and just we just started talking, and we just kind of hit it off after that. Um, I feel like I'm a better man because of uh, Brother Steve Boyd being in my life. And I appreciate Sister Boyd also. We love you very much. And I uh, appreciate the <clears throat> staying right over next door in the servants' quarters. And <laughs> I, <clears throat> I appreciate that. And it's, a, it's a nice to get out here where there's literally nothing. <laughs> It's, it's really nice to be here, and uh, I appreciate your welcome tonight. So I would like to talk to you for a few minutes, <clears throat> if I can. There's no clock on the wall, so I don't know if I'm in trouble or y'all are in trouble. <laughs> but I want to do my best to watch this, and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, sis, you going to be able to help me tonight? Galatians chapter 5, uh, we'll start with verse 16, and... Uh, Bishop said that he just kind of slows down on Wednesday night, so if that's okay with y'all, I want to just kind of fit in your uh, your pattern and just talk to you about something that um, I feel like would be beneficial uh, for us all in our walk with the Lord. So Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. And... Uh, <clears throat> Well, I'm reading from the New King James, but it will read very similar in this particular passage. Uh, Paul, writing to the church of Galatia, he said, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Everybody say, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are, everybody say, contrary. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish or will. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So I want to just talk tonight just about walking in the Spirit for just a few minutes. You're welcome to keep your Bible open if you want to. We will refer back to this a couple of times. But I'd like for us to ask the Lord blessings on His Word right now. To just allow the Word to get into our spirit tonight and to, to mold us. And, and let the things He wants us to hear help us tonight the way He wants to help us. So let's pray that way. Lord, we love you. <clears throat> We thank you, God, for all of your blessings. We thank you for your spirit here this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the honor of being here, Lord. I pray that you would touch this church and this congregation, the pastor, the leadership. It's my honor to be with them this week. Tonight and this evening service, I pray that you'd bless your word. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would let me speak tonight from a pure heart, God. Let them hear your voice and not mine, God. Let them hear your words and not just mine, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray tonight that you would help us. In Jesus' name, we all pray. And everybody said, praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. <clears throat> if you were to ask a group of church growers, goers, <clears throat> what principle uh, that they would uh, find... Uh, to be the most important that should be followed in living the Christian life the most effective way that they could, they would probably give you a, a wide range of answers. Uh, some would mention that reading the Word of God would be the most important thing, uh, and that is true. Some would say that prayer is the most important thing, and that would be true. Others would say faithful attendance to the house of God and they would be true as well. Living by the golden rule is a, a great principle to live by. Uh, some would even uh, go so far as to say imitating Christ would be the most important principle. And while I would agree with everybody, I do believe that these are good answers, but I believe that there is one principle that kind of overrides these, underpins these, and fuels all of these. And that is the thing that gives us energy in our walk with God is walking in the Spirit. So, a lot of times people do not realize the role of the Spirit in their life. Some people, believe it or not, some people relegate to the Spirit of God's activity in our life to something that happens on Sunday and Wednesday. And there could be nothing further from the truth. This time that we get together on a Sunday or on a Wednesday is time when we are refreshing, recharging our batteries, so to say. The real point of test happens on Mondays and Tuesdays, yeah. Thursdays and Fridays. Yeah. And so we need to learn how to walk in the Spirit on Monday and Tuesday, not just on Sunday. When I mean, everybody around us is walking in the Spirit in this room right here, so it's really easy to do. Yeah. It's outside in our routines, in our everyday lives, where we get the challenges uh, that are right, right up in our face. Uh, some people fail to recognize as a result that they uh, experience many difficulties because they fail to realize the role of the Spirit of God in their life. So a lot of people tend to focus on rules. They focus on rules rather than allowing the grace of God to teach them through the Spirit. <clears throat> Titus uh, two, uh, but Titus 2 says, For the grace of God, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And the next verse he says what it is doing. It is teaching us. That is the most important thing about grace. Understand this right here. Uh, there's a lot of people that feel like grace is their permission slip to live however they want to in this day and age. And they say that, well, you understand, we're no longer under law. We're under grace now. Therefore, I don't have to follow rules or I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. You know, your church may believe or your religion may believe, but I don't believe that because I'm under grace. Well, you collide very badly with the teaching of grace, the understanding of grace to have a position like that because Paul is writing to this young man and he is telling him that grace is a teacher. It is not a permission slip. It is, is a teacher and he says that what it is teaching us is how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust 
and live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So grace is a teacher. It's the thing that is teaching us and bringing us where we need to be. Sometimes you'll hear ministers even, they will hammer on morality and focus very little on relying on the spirit of God and his power to help us. But I would tell you tonight that life without the spirit is tragic. It is a tragic way to live. We need to learn how to grow through grace. That's the most important thing that we can learn in life is learning how to grow through the grace of God. There is a a code of ethics is good. I understand some people have their own code of ethics, their own morality, and that's all great. But we need to learn how to follow the Spirit because the Spirit is going to take us farther than our own code of ethics could ever take us. We can only be empowered. That is the most important thing for us to remember. We can only be empowered by the Spirit. There's no other way you can receive power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. John 1, uh, he says, uh, as many as received him, to them he gave power or the right, the authority to become the children of God, the sons of God, right? So we can only be empowered when we receive the Spirit into our life. So we can't make careless assumptions. I want to give you just a little something to show you, uh, just a little illustration here. We can't make assumptions in life and especially in our walk with God and expect to always come out on the, on the good side of a situation. Simon Sinek in his leadership book, Start With Why, he begins uh, one chapter with this quote right here. On a cold January day, a 43-year-old man was sworn in as the chief executive of his country. By his, his side stood his predecessor, a famous general who 15 years earlier had commanded the nation's armed forces in a war that resulted in the defeat of Germany. The young leader was raised in the Roman Catholic faith. He spent the next five hours watching parades in his honor and stayed up celebrating until 3 o'clock in the morning. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Right, that's what I thought too. The date is January 30, 1933. And the person that we're talking about is Adolf Hitler. Now, what made the paragraph, because you're absolutely right, but what made the distinction in this was that one small little piece of information, and that is the date. Sometimes this happens in our relationship with God. We make assumptions on things we think we know. And we have not gathered all of the facts. We have not put together all of the information that is at our disposal and therefore we go through life and we would carelessly be making assumptions thinking that we're making good decisions. And so tonight, this is my opening challenge to you to kind of rethink about the way you think about things. And to just realize that we have things at our disposal, things like the man of God, the spirit of God, the word of God, the people of God. We have these things to help us in our relationship with God. We need to understand that we can't make decisions and walk with God based on what we think we know. We cannot be guilty of assuming things we can be filled with the Spirit and as a result we can walk in the Spirit and when we encounter trouble we will be prepared in the day of trouble. And that is where we want to be tonight. We can't make that mistake because when we make that mistake it costs us dearly. To live in victory is to walk in the Spirit and we need to be intentional. Pastor said it uh, about the young ladies that were just singing this last song. I want to make it all the way and I, I intend was the word that he used. I intend to get there. And for us to be able to live a victorious life for Christ, we're going to have to make some intentions become priorities in our life. It's a priority now. I am intending to do. I'm not praying because I had some extra time. I'm not in the word because I had some extra time. I intended to do this. This became a priority for me today to spend time with God, to spend time in his word. Why? Because I need the spirit's influence in my life. 
when we talk about when we talk about being influenced by the Spirit, you know, back in the day, well, we still have sailboats today, right? And you, you're in this boat and you pull this particular rope, it extends a sail. The wind catches that sail and it moves that boat in the direction that it needs to go. Many times the scripture likens the Spirit of God to the wind. You can see it. You can't tell where it comes from, right? That's what Jesus was talking about in John 3. You can hear it, but you can't see it. You can't really tell where it's coming from. The Spirit of God is like that. And when I use the phrase tonight, being influenced by the Spirit, that's what I'm talking about. Our sail becomes our yielding, our yieldedness to the Spirit of God. How do I do this? I do this in the Word. I do this in prayer. All of these things are me opening up my life and allowing as much as I can to open up and allow this, as much of the Spirit as can to get into my life so that I can be moved in the direction that God wants me to go. I want to walk in the Spirit. So back to verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The best way tonight, first First thing I'll tell you, the best way tonight to keep flesh under control is to let the spirit be in control. A life of victory doesn't come from just following a code of ethics or a code of morality or rules or whatever. It comes from obeying that internal spirit and power, that influence of God. Walk is used some 32 times in the book of Galatians alone. It's used figurative of one's way of life but it's used in the present tense. It literally means that we are to keep on walking. It's something that we are always doing. It's not what I do on Sunday. It's what I do every day. I am walking in the Spirit, not just a day of the week or two days of the week or, you know, I'm, I'm good if I get three out of seven. That's not what we're talking about. We're striving to be pleasing to God. And the only way that we can do this is by walking in the Spirit on a daily basis, getting in the Word, getting in the Spirit. And you're going to hear me say that over and over because that's the basics. Whenever we get out of kilter, I play golf. I don't know if anybody plays golf. When you get out of your swing with golf, you got to step back, think about what is the basics, why am I not hitting the ball right. Baseball is the same way. Whatever you may do. Fixing your lawnmower, fixing your truck, whatever. If, you, if it's not doing what's right, you've got to kind of realign to the basics and get it back to where you began when it was right. And that's what we want to do every day. We want to get ourselves in those places where the Spirit of God can mold us. He can define us and He can influence us. To walk in the Spirit means that there will be guidance and power for living. Uh, there is this promise that we have here, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if we walk in the Spirit. Right? There's, this, there's guidance. There's power for living. And I, I won't do this if I can just, you know, I don't have to focus on, well, I don't want to go here and I don't want to do that and I don't want to mess up and do this. I don't... Well, where does that list begin and end? And that could be forever and a day long. What do you want to do? I just got this short little list, and it says love God, love people, love his word, pray. That's my list. What are you doing? I'm walking in the spirit. Why? Because I don't want to fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the desires, the control of the flesh. That's what I want to do. I want to give, I want to give God something that he can work with. I have holiness in my life. I understand that. I want to be holy before God. The reason that I say no to some things is so I can say yes to God. That's what it's all about. It's not about a rule. It's not about a rule. It's not about you can't do and you can't say and you can't listen and you can't watch and you can't go and you can't. It's not about that. It's about me saying how much of God's yes do I want in my life? And, and to that proportion, I am willing to say no to some things. That is the concept of holiness. That's why holiness right there so I can say yes to God. You can't serve two masters. You can't be influenced two different directions. Sooner or later, you've got to get off the, off the fence. Okay, so there is power for living. 
Secondly, to walk in the Spirit is, is we are to be sensitive to the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit always leads us in accordance to God's Word, right? You never, ever have to pray about something the Bible teaches us to do, right? Well, you know, praying and fasting is just not my thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and see if God wants me to, you know, fast. <laughs> you don't have to pray that way. That prayer was already answered in the Word. You know, well, you know, talking to people about God and sharing my testimony, that's just not my cup of tea. Oh, I'll pray about it. There's no reason to pray about certain things because when we are sensitive to the Spirit, this is another phrase synonymous with walking in the Spirit. We are sensitive to the Spirit. And that's why when we bump into those people, a coworker, a classmate, whoever you run into, you know, at the market or whatever, and you feel that little check in your spirit, you need to talk to that person. That is what we're talking about when we say we're being sensitive to the Spirit. And when we can say that we're doing that, we can say, yes, you know what? I enjoy working for God and walking in the Spirit. Why? Because had I not been able to do this, this person would not be able to say, I thank you for sharing your testimony, and I am where I am today because of you doing that. We've influenced somebody else. The Spirit's influence always trickles down. Number three, to walk in the Spirit is to follow the Spirit's leading or prompting. And it means that we will not be dominated by the sinful nature, uh, uh, nature or flesh. And here's the, the kind of the deal that I'm going to talk about for just a few minutes here tonight. And then and we'll be done. Was well, just this last definition of walking in the Spirit. It's where we are not dominated By the flesh. When we talk about the flesh, that is the sinful nature of man, the carnal nature of man, however you want to word that from different passages, all of those phrases are basically synonymous. But there is this war that happens in our lives almost on a daily basis. Sometimes we are more aware of this than not. This goes back to why I did that little exercise at the beginning. We cannot assume. Verse 17 says this, For the flesh lusts, it desires against the Spirit. It wants things that are contrary to what the Spirit wants in your life. This is what Paul's saying. And the Spirit wants things that are contrary to what the flesh wants. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. When we are born again, we have repented, we have been born of water, born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. The power of sin and the fallen nature, it was broken, but it was not eradicated. And that is one assumption that people think when they first come to God and and if they don't ever get that worked out in their walk with God, they will struggle the entirety of their relationship with God. It's like a roller coaster in their life. They're constantly up and down and you will hear them say things like, I don't understand why I did what I did. I knew that was wrong. But I don't know why I did this. It's because we think that when we come to God and we repent and we become this new creature in Christ Jesus and all things are passed away and everything's new, you know, in the same way that when you go down in the waters of baptism, if you go down ball-headed, you come up ball-headed. Everybody know that? If you go down fat, you come up fat, right? I don't mean to sound derogatory toward anybody tonight, but... That's just the way it is. I went in the water short and I came back out short. I wish it could be different, but it ain't different. Because there are some things about us it just did not take away. It did not take away those appetites that are in your life before you came to God. The things that you're repented of, the core of those things, the thing that desired those things you just spent all that time repenting of and the, and the water of, of baptism has washed you clean of all that stuff. The very nature of those desires did not get taken out of your life. And if we assume that that did happen, it will cause us to get very lazy in our prayer, 
very lazy in our relationship with God in every area. We don't, we don't take church serious. We don't take prayer serious. We don't take walking with God in any aspect of it serious because we think, hey, I am born again of water and spirit. I'm an apostolic. I'm a Pentecostal. I've been filled with the spirit. I got all this. I talked in tongues. But there's a part of that old nature that is always going to be there. And that's where this battle comes in. And that's the part that I want to talk about for just a couple minutes tonight. I don't want to really hound you with it, but I want us to walk away understanding this one thing tonight. There is this spiritual conflict, this inner conflict between our old nature and our old will and our new nature once we come to God and we've been saved, okay? Once we've been born again. There is this conflict that is going on between our old nature and our old will and our new nature that God has imparted to us and our new will, which is the will of God. Okay? So the old nature we received at birth, the new nature at new birth. The old nature has been in control all of these years and it's had its way all these years. That's why we are where we are when we come to God. Miserable, on the bottom, confused, hurt, broke, whatever. We are where we are because our old nature was it, and it does not want to relinquish that control. And that is where the fight comes in. Why, if this is not important, then why is this principle taught in so many places in the New Testament by Paul himself? There's a war going on inside you. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, right? He says these things over and over. And then in Galatians, he's telling us the spirit is fighting against the the flesh, and the flesh is fighting against the spirit. They're contrary to one another. There's this old, it wants to continue to dominate the way it always has, and both natures have desires, is what Paul has said up until this point. However, here we are right here at the crux of the matter. This conflict is a spiritual warfare. So when we talk about being in a spiritual warfare, a lot of times people think, oh, there's all these angels out here over our city and they're, you know, flashing swords and banging and clanging swords over. No, no, no. A part of the spiritual warfare is going on right here in your own head every day. The moment that you decide, I have not prayed today and my spirit feels parched, I need to get along with God. Spiritual warfare goes at its most intense in those moments there because the flesh is wanting something contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit is drawing you to pray. The Spirit is pulling you to go deeper in the Word of God and the flesh is saying, no, I don't have time. You gotta do this and you gotta do that. It sounds like, you know, well, I just, I, it just wasn't in my calendar today. We need to make room in our calendar. If we don't have time to pray, we got too much in our calendar. If we don't have time to get in the Word, we've got too much going on. Right? Why do I say this? Is because not only is my salvation dependent upon me being uh, led and influenced and, and molded by the Spirit of God, but my relationship affects my spouse. And my relationship with my spouse affects my children. And our relationship affects our neighbors. It affects our coworkers. If you want to be an influence to the people around you, the only way you can do that is if you have influence. And the Spirit of God is the great influencer. So that's where it has to start here. So there's this spiritual warfare. And, 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 and we're in this thing where it's like the battle of two different wheels, the battle of two different minds, and there's this, there's this war going on inside us. And Paul says this to the Romans. He says, well, first he says to the Ephesians in 6 and 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not mine, but his might, and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Your boss, your co-worker, that's not your enemy. That's not the spiritual warfare. And you can bring that to church all you want to and pray God kill him and do whatever. That's not what God is wanting you to pray. You missed the boat somewhere. 
Well, they're just making it hard on me every day. And by the time I get off work, I'm all frazzled and I don't feel like praying. That is your problem. That has got nothing to do with your boss. <laughs> I mean, we do believe that nobody can make me live for God or not live for God but me. We would agree with that, right? So I can't blame it on somebody else. My wife is not my enemy. My husband is not my enemy. <laughs> uh, you always have to give both sides of the room, you know, room to say man there. When we say our wives and all the men are like, amen. And all, you know, and our wives are not, amen. And, the, and it gets quiet sometimes there. It makes you wonder when you're standing on this side of the desk what's, what's going on with the people. But we wrestle against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. You got the picture, right? It's not about flesh and blood. That's why later in another place you'd say the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. It's not about tanks and machine guns and all this kind of stuff. It's about knees. It's about closed eyes. It's about intense spirit talking to spirit. Mind commuting with God's. That's what we're talking about here. Now, Paul says this concerning this conflict. It keeps us from doing the things that we want to do, that we will. That's our will. Okay? He says this, and this confused me for years until I dug in one day and said, I ain't getting up until I know what this thing means. Romans 7, verse 15, it says this, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. Then in verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Basically what Paul is saying here, I want to do what is right, but I just don't always get it done. And the things that I know I have no business doing, I end up doing that stuff. Now that's what he just said right there in Romans 7. It's it's these kinds of times right here where we step back and we say, the devil made me do it. <laughs> That's what happens right there. The devil made me do it. <laughs> now, I do believe that the enemy does work on us. He works against us. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I'm contemplating telling a little funny here. <clears throat> Y'all heard him. <clears throat> so there's this lady, okay, and she goes to the store, tells her husband, I want to go to the store. He says, do not buy anything today. Don't buy anything, especially clothes. Don't buy no clothes today. Okay, she goes to the store, and she gets to trying on one outfit and likes it, another outfit, likes it, another outfit, and she likes it until finally she gets to this one. She's like, I'm sorry. I know he said but I'm going to. She buys it and she brings it home and she says, honey, I have something to tell you. He says, I thought I told you, I thought I told you not to buy anything. And here you come home with the very thing I told you not to buy. I told you don't buy any dresses or anything like that. I tried to do what you told me to do, she says. Well then, why did you do it anyway? The devil made me do it. Well, then you should have done what Jesus did and said, Satan, get behind me. She said, I tried that, but he said the dress looked good back there too. Okay, now I didn't come all this way to not be controversial. <laughs> Y'all take that for what you want it there on the joke, but it makes a very good point that the devil does get in our mind and play with our thinking sometimes. He really does. How do we prevent that from happening? Let's get back to our list. It's a short list tonight. Let's just walk in the Spirit. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh or the devil. <laughs> and you won't buy the dress. 
So here's what he does. Paul is not saying, understand this. I want you to hear this part right here, okay? Paul is not saying the spirit is less against the flesh and flesh against the spirit. These are contrary to one. He is saying they are contrary, but he is not saying that these two antagonists are necessarily equal in power. Just want to shed a little light on some thinking here. The flesh and the spirit, while there is a conflict going on, understand this. It is not because the flesh has all this power and it is equal to the power of God. And therefore, it's a matter of you're in the middle and which one of these are going to win. It is not that at all. So I want to help you with this principle right here. The principle is the same as light versus dark. Light and dark are not opposites. Dark is the absence of light. The carnal nature is not the opposite of the spiritual nature. It is the absence of the spiritual nature. So it's not that they've got these two equal forces opposing each other and you're just in the middle. It would be really nice if we could walk out of here tonight knowing that, hey, I can get off the hook, you know. Well, God just, you know, God, you put up a good effort today, but you didn't get it. Right? And we think that sometimes that there's this force fighting for me and there's this force fighting for me. They are fighting against each other and I'm not sure where, but at the end of the day, I'm going to settle on one side or the other. And that's not the case. You are either going toward the Spirit of God and you are actively engaged in this relationship-saving battle or you're going away from the Spirit and you're giving in to flesh. It's kind of like the guy, you know, he pulls into the parking lot and he says, Lord, I promise if you will give me a parking spot close to the door today, and I don't have to walk all the way up this aisle. I promise I'll be at church every Sunday this month and I'll give 10% of all my giving. He pulls into the parking lot and there is one. I mean, right there by the door. He pull, he's, never mind, God, I found one on my own. We sometimes believe that is the way it works in our relationship with God. We think that, you know what, there's God going to do this, but God didn't come through, so I guess it's okay for me to do this. No, 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 no. You didn't get off the hook with that one. There's still this accountability that I have in my relationship with God. We get back to this. The Holy Spirit has this power, and he is saying we cannot rely on our will, our nature to live victorious. The only way we can do this is we've got to be led of the Spirit. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to be influenced by the Spirit. So here's what happens. It's the devil tries to get into our mind. And if he... He knows this all too well. If he can get into your mind, then what he will do is it will, that will, whatever it is, that, he, that seed that he'll plant there, it will become a part of your emotions. And before you know it, it will be demonstrated in your words and your actions. People don't backslide this week. It happens over a long period of time. There's a seed planted. There's a doubt that festers and they don't try to let their faith kill that doubt. There is, there is a prayer that is skipped and then there is a Sunday morning that is skipped and before you know it, we don't know where they are. Well, they must have quit church this week. No, they didn't quit church this week. They quit church like six months before they ever disappeared. Why? Somewhere along the line, prayer lost its importance in their life. Word lost its importance. Being accountable to the man of God in their life lost its importance. And before you know it, there was no avenue for God to influence their life and their thinking. They began to think wrong. Here's how this works. See, it gets into our, if, if he can get into our Minds, He can control our emotions, right? That's how that works. If we don't control our appetites, our appetites will control us. We don't control our minds, our minds will control us. And that's how he does it, is he'll plant the seed, it will get into our emotions, that's our mind. 
And before you know it, we begin to act on what we have had in our emotions. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. See, here's the thing you have to remember. You are what you think, not what you think you are. You are what you think. Because it's demonstrated. And sometimes we have these wrong thinking patterns that that surface in our life. And before you know it, they become like the stones in Jesus' parable of the sower. We have these wrong thinking patterns. It's like guilt. And we allow guilt to just override our thinking. And guilt is that thing that somebody did or, or something that we did in our past. Right? There's worry is another one of these things. And, and this is about, you know, tomorrow, life, job, retirement, whatever. We worry about this, a wrong thinking pattern. Anger, it's something that someone else did to us. Or there's this, incent, uh, this, this sense of entitlement. It's what somebody else did not do to us or for us. These things become like those stones. You know, the, the, the sower goes out and he, he wants, and, and it the seed gets down in there just a little bit and it may spring up just a little bit. But when trial comes, it withers up and it goes away because there's no depth there. These wrong thinking patterns do this too. We bring things like this right here, guilt and worry and doubt and all this kind of stuff. We bring this with us to church and the man of God is up pouring, up, pouring out his spirit and he's preaching the word with all eloquence and the spirit is here and it can only go so far. Why? Because the devil has got just a little toehold in your mind. And before you know it, if you don't learn how to walk in the spirit, be influenced by the spirit, he's going to have a whole foothold. And if you don't fight that battle, before you know it, there will be a stronghold in your life. And a stronghold is one of those defense mechanisms, but it's used the wrong way when we have wrong thinking patterns. Instead of defending our emotions and our spirit and our sensitivity to God from the things that would harm our relationship with God, we have shut God out. And that's why you hear people saying, he's got a hard heart. Even the word couldn't move him. I don't want to be that way. And I know you don't either. So what we have to do is remember that there is a right way to think. And he says right here, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you want to do. So now that we are saved, we have to understand I have a responsibility. I have the right I have even the power to call on the Spirit of God, the power of God. I have the right to use the Word of God as a weapon when I am attacked. How will you be able to do, how do you sense the attack coming? How do you know that what is around the corner is not going to be the thing that destroys? No, no, no. When you have those kinds of things come against you, those are wrong thinking patterns and you get to go back to the word. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? Uh, You know, he has made you his own. You are his, you are his child. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. You are the child of God. So you can come to him like any other child would go to his father. And my connection with the Spirit is what makes all of this alive and relevant and effective and powerful in my life. Now, we go one step farther with this before we start closing this up. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. We've heard this phrase quoted how many times? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we have misused that until it's blue in the face. Well, I don't know if this is right and this is right or this is wrong and this is right or whatever. I don't know. So, you know, the Bible says work out your own salvation. So that's me. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure. That's not what Paul said, right? He didn't say figure out what's right and what's wrong. He said work it out. For it is God who works in you. The only way God can work in you is if you allow him to do this. In verse 13, it is God who works in you both to will 
and to do. He puts that will, that desire inside of you. When you allow the Spirit of God to begin to influence you, you have the power to walk in the Spirit because it is God who is working in you both he is producing the desire and he's giving you the power both to will and to do. Will is desire. Do is the power for his good pleasure. Not me, not just so I can keep my nose above the water, not just so I can tread a little alone, not just so I can survive. No, no, no. He wants to move you into an area where you don't survive, but you thrive. That's what God has for you. And he puts that desire in you. How do I get to this place where I have the Spirit of God influencing me and I can walk away saying the desire and the will is there in my spirit and God has given me the power? How do I get to that place? Get back to the basics. You see, we keep going in this big circle tonight. You see how this works? We get back to the basics, the Word of God. When we read the Word of God, it begins to strengthen us. It talks to our spirit. It talks to us about things that are right and things that are not right. And it's steering us down this path. When we get alone with God, He begins to influence our mind and our thinking. And we begin to think right. Why? Because you cannot be in the presence of God for so long without the Lord transforming your wrong thinking into right thinking. We'll go in there sometimes thinking there's no way out of my problem. There's no way out of the situation. And by the time you leave, you have been influenced by the power of God. And he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is sufficient for you. There is another day coming where you will not be wrestling with the same problem that you are now. That's just an example of what it's like to walk in the Spirit. And sometimes we have complicated walking in the Spirit and living for God, and it is not a hard thing at all. Walking for God is the best thing that will ever happen to anybody. Walking with God on a daily basis, talking to God, there's just something about those times of prayer. You'll get in your prayer closet and you'll start talking to God, and before you know it, you went in there thinking, God, if I, just, if I could just... Fill up a time slot of five minutes today and before you know it, the Spirit of God comes down and you, you look down at your watch and it's been like 15 or 20 minutes later and the more you do this, guess what? You look down and it's been an hour. Why? Because your, your spirit is being infused with power and joy and righteousness and peace and a calm that comes on you and you can't get that anyplace else except in the presence of God because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And that's just an example. I need to wrap this up here. There is this, there is this legend, this old Cherokee Indian talking to his grandson. And he says, there is this fight going on inside me, a terrible fight. It's between two wolves. You may have heard the story. And he talks about how one is evil and he's full of anger and envy and sorrow and regret and greed and bitterness and all the yucky stuff. And, and he continued, the other is good and he is joy and he is peace and love and he is hope and humility and kindness and so forth. And this fight, son, is going on inside of you too. And the young boy looks at his grandfather and he says, which one of these will win? And he says, the one that you feed. So in our walk with God, which one of these things that are contrary to the other is going to be the winner at the end of the day? We have to ask ourselves, have I given my best to God? Have I really tried? I know what is right. Have I really given myself to that? By walking in the Spirit, we are starving the flesh. And you need to understand that tonight. When you walk in the Spirit, you are starving flesh. 
when you come to church, again, these are basics, but when you come to church, you are starving appetites that are contrary to church. When you pray, you are starving things that would come against your faith. When you get into the word of God, you are starving thought patterns that are contrary to what God has for you and you're starving these things out. I read about a man one time, he was talking about the beautiful oak trees where he lived. And he said every year during the fall season, he noticed that some of the oaks retained their their old and dried leaves long after the maples and the elms and the and the walnut trees would become bare. And and even in winter when the strong winds would blow the cool air in, sometimes those leaves would still hang in there. And then early spring the, the rains and the heavy storms would come in then and and he would notice even then that some of the leaves would still be there. But he said he noticed that as springtime progressed, the fresh growth began to, you know, little buds would begin to show up there. And these buds start appearing at the tips of the twigs and soon the dry leaves of the preceding season would drop away because of these surging newer buds. The old dead life was being pushed out by the new life. When we come to God, there are old habits that we have. And they're very difficult uh, uh, to get rid of. Sin, it has a way of clinging to our life with a tenacity that does not give up. It will drive us crazy at times. And trials and adversities don't always just clear that muck out. But by walking in the power of the Spirit, under the influence of the Spirit, a little at a time, the old life is being pushed away. The old nature is being pushed out and there's new things that are beginning to block. You know a tree bites fruit. And things begin, the the old nature slowly, the deadness, the things that once were, it's just kind of falling off of us. And the new buds are there. The only way that we can do this tonight in closing is we have to be intentional about our walk with God. I said this at the very beginning tonight and I say this right here in closing. The only way that we can do this is by being intentional. There's a story of a group of American car executives who went to Japan to see the Japanese assembly line. At the end of the line, the doors were put on the hinges the same as in America, but there was something missing. You see, in the United States, a line worker would take a rubber mallet and he would tap the edges of the door to ensure that it fit perfectly. However, in Japan, that job didn't exist. So, the Americans, being confused, they asked the Japanese, at what point do they make sure the door fits perfectly? The Japanese guy looked at them and he smiled a little sheepishly and he said, we make sure it fits when we design it. See, in the Japanese auto plant, they didn't examine the problem and accumulate data to figure out the best solution for a problem. They engineered the outcome they wanted from the beginning. And if they didn't achieve their desired outcome, they understood it was because of a decision they made back at the start of the process. So at the end of the day, the doors on the American-made and the Japanese-made cars appeared to fit when each one of them rolled off the assembly line. However, the Japanese didn't need to employ someone hammering on their doors. Nor did they need to buy any mallets. And more importantly, the Japanese doors are more likely to last longer, maybe even more structurally sound if they're in an accident. And all of this for no other reason than they ensure a proper fit from the start. What American automakers did with their mallets is a metaphor for how many people live their spiritual lives. When life doesn't go as we plan, we pull out a rubber mallet and we start trying to move things around and we try to catch up and we try to get spiritual really quick. And that doesn't work. Every blessing that we want tonight, would you stand with me? Every blessing that we want tonight, 
every course of action that we set, every result that we desire, it starts with the same thing. It starts with a decision. We need to be looking tonight, not tomorrow, not next week, and not next month. We need to start tonight. Where do I want to be a week from now in my walk with God? Where do I want to be this time next month? Where would I like to see myself in June of 2016? I need to start right now. Well, Brother Trey, you don't understand. All these years, I've been living just the same way I am tonight. You kind of triggered something in my thought, and I want to make a change, but how do you go back and undo all that? You can't. And I'm not telling you to. The only thing you can do with your past is to change the present. If you've got something wrong back there, the only thing you can do with that is put it under the blood. That's all you can do. you got no other option. It'd be really cool if we could go back there with some spiritual eraser and just rub out some stuff. But it don't work. It don't happen that way. So the only thing that you can do is just put it under the blood, turn your back to it, and keep walking toward Calvary. That's all you can do tonight. And so that is my challenge is whatever your past may be, whatever you were doing today and yesterday and last week and last month and last year, if you can't say, you're not answering the question for me, I don't even know that you're answering the question for pastor. But God knows all and he sees everything. And if you can't honestly look and say, God, I am doing everything that I can. I want to do more. If we can't pray that kind of prayer because of some kind of check in our spirit, then maybe we need to say, Lord, I don't know what was in the past there, but I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to be able to come tonight and I want to be able to make this decision that today is the first day of the rest of my life. I am going to strive every day to walk in the spirit. I am going to strive every day to crucify the flesh again. Paul said, he said, I die daily. I do this every day. Why? Because if you don't keep it down, it will come back up and it will get back in your face and it will plant seeds. It'll get you sidetracked. I'll die daily. I'll make that commitment to you. And you can walk out of here tonight just knowing that, look, I'm not going to get everything right. We know that. We're human. We don't cease to be human when we come to God. We don't cease to be human when we walk away from a powerful altar call. I don't know what your, your, your uh, way of closing out a Wednesday night service. If you want to pray, that's fine. Our pastor can close it out in a second here. But whatever you do right here, at this point right here tonight, when we get ready to walk out of those doors, we should have it made up in our mind. This war that is going on, I will not allow flesh to win. I may not get it all right, but I will be giving God my very best efforts. I will be giving him my day. I will be giving him my mind. I will be giving him my heart. I will be giving him my spirit. I will be giving him some time. I will be spending time in the word. I will, I will start challenging myself. What did I just read and what is it saying to me? What I'm talking about tonight is going way beyond your one-year Bible. I read through the Bible one year every year for the last 50. Great, I commend you. That's awesome. But do you understand what it says? This is God's Word. He wrote it so that it could say something to you. Are you hearing that? There's people in your life, they are hurting and they are without God. Is your sensitivity to God's Spirit, is it going to be the thing that's going to make the difference in their life? These are the questions that I want you to answer tonight. It's not, well, I prayed yesterday and I read my Bible today, so I'm good. I'm giving a good effort. No, 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 no. I'm talking about where are you with God? Where are you with God? Well, I'm not God. I can't speak for God. I understand that. I really do. But we know, we know right here whether we are right with God or not. We know that. And nobody else will. But we know that. And that's all I'm asking is that little thing right there, that one little thing, that little, I know when I'm not, I'm asking you to put that on the altar tonight. 
whether it's right here or at home, whatever. That's all I'm asking you to do is to just put that on the altar and say, God, I want to be there. I want to walk in the Spirit. And that's the way I want this to end tonight. So if you want to pray, is that what we do? We want to pray, that's fine. You can come. And we can spend a few moments. God, I want to walk out knowing. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.